Man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Tom. If we haven't met yet, uh, I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church plant uh, as the lead pastor, along with my wife Ebony. She's in kids, and Herrick and Heather Berga, the wonderful Bergas. Um, I just the reason I share that with you is if I don't know you, I want to know you. Okay, this is a this is a church, and the church, as we define it, as we see in the scriptures, is it's a family. It's the primary metaphor we see in the Bible. Um, and we want, to, we want to be a family. It's not just like lip service. We don't want to be like a family. We want to be a family who relate to each other as brothers and sisters because we relate to God as fathers. So all that being said, I really do want to know you if we don't know each other, okay? Uh, this morning, we are going to be... Um, we are going to be jumping back into a series that we started, I think, last May. So we've been going through this series kind of off and on for a while. We're jumping back into a series we're calling Jesus Is. Um, and this series, we've been going through the Gospel of John, uh, this beautiful, amazing book in the Scriptures in the New Testament where this guy, John, who got to spend three years with Jesus in the flesh, was arguably Jesus' closest friend. He wrote this book as an eyewitness account um, of, of, of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the reason we're calling this series Jesus Is is because I'm convinced that your understanding and your belief and my understanding and my belief of who Jesus is is arguably the most important thing, uh, most important like, topic that you could have understanding on. Like it's, there's nothing more important than that. And it's cool, at the end of the Gospel of John, he, he tells the reader why he wrote it. He says, I wrote this so that you would believe that this guy, Jesus, is God in the flesh. And we've been going through this series with this idea, this concept that what we believe to be true, like what we actually believe, not what we acknowledge to be true, but what we actually trust in, what we believe, it influences us in, in supreme ways. It influences our behavior. It determines what our life looks like. So what you believe, not just what you acknowledge to be true, but what you trust in, what you believe, has massive power in your life. And we're going through this series as a community, about, like trying to de- decipher all that Jesus is. Like, we want all of him. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in, like I said, the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 5 today. Jumping back in. This is week 16 and our Jesus is series, which is exciting. It's good to be back. I love the Gospel of John. It's probably, probably my favorite book in Scripture. If I, just, if I could just have one, it would be the Gospel of John. So John chapter 5. While you guys are flipping there, um, how many of you guys uh, took like a philosophy class, maybe even in high school or college or whatever? Yeah, several of us. Um, I took a philosophy, a couple of philosophy classes in college, and it was interesting because they would always ask these questions that were so deep. Like, how do you know you exist? And it would, and it would be just, it would be a professor in the front of the classroom just trying to make everyone's head spin. And like, you walk into your, you know, your philosophy class one day thinking like, I'm a relatively intelligent person. And then you leave, you know, two hours later being like, I have no idea about anything. This is bizarre. But they would ask these like really deep questions. And this morning, I want to start off by asking a really deep question. Uh, we're going to be talking about life today. Uh, in the scriptures, but the question I want to ask you is, what does it mean to be alive? Like, think about it for a second. What does it mean to be alive? Is it having a heartbeat? Is Is it like a feeling? As I was prepping, I, it's funny to look at some of your faces right now. Um, as I was prepping this message, forgive me, I'm fighting a cold, so I might go back and forth between 
this in the water, but we'll see. Either way, I was prepping this message this week, and um, I did what any wise um, pastor who wants to be biblically faithful does when they're prepping a sermon, is I just Googled it. <laughs> I just Googled it and said, what does it mean to be alive? Let's see what Google has to say, you know? And this is what Google said. Uh, Google said uh, being alive means having the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. So basically before you die. Okay, so you have the ability to actually grow, to reproduce, um, to, to engage in functional activity, and to change before you die. That's what Google says it means to be alive. What about you? Like, how would you define what it means to live? I'm looking at you, Harrison, because I know your mind. It's a gift, bro. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to live? Uh, it's funny, whenever we talk about like, deep things like life and what is the meaning of life, and all the, whenever, we, whenever we discuss life in general, it's always associated with this kind of annoying and oftentimes scary thing called death, something that we're all acquainted with, right? And I think the reason why death can be as annoying and as scary as it is and just kind of be this weird thing with us is because uh, death is something that nobody can avoid, we like to think that we do. I remember when I was in high school, I thought I would live forever and I would make just choices that were, I look back now, I'm like, I could have died so many times. Like, but either way, we think we can live forever. Death is something that everybody is moving towards. Everybody ever moving towards this idea of death, right? And that's troubling. At least it's troubling to me because there's something about death that just feels wrong. Like, it, it's bothersome. It feels, it feels wrong. Um, if you don't believe me, I mean, many of us have lost close people in our lives. Like, they've, they've perished, they've died, they've expired. And the pain associated with that, it just, it never becomes normal. It, at, least, at least for me it does, and maybe it does for you. I, I'm just never like, oh yeah, cool. Like, death is this thing that's like, it's abnormal. It, it, it's, it's, it just feels wrong. If you've ever felt like the fear associated with death, like maybe you feel like, oh my gosh, like you're in your car or something and you, you do 360 on the freeway and you're spinning out and you're like, oh my gosh, like the, that, that fear that grips you. Death just feels wrong, man. But life, life on the other hand, life feels different. Life has this glorious potential to be incredible. Like life can be really good. I was reflecting this week, and like, I just want to take a moment and be kind of sappy, but I love you guys so much. You bring so much good to my life. Uh, my family and I, we were away for a few days um, around New Year's, and coming back, we were just so excited to come back, not because of any, honestly, mostly because of just being with you. It's not lip service. We genuinely love you dearly. You you help our life. You help us experience these these beauty, like the beauty in life, relationships, right? And I think maybe that's why death feels so wrong because life has this potential to be so good and so glorious. And I say potential because it's potential. It's not always. But I think everybody in the room would, would agree. Every hand would go up and it's like, have you tasted those moments where you're just like, I'm, I'm like filled with the joy. I'm like excited. I'm having fun. I'm, I'm, I'm relating to someone in a deep way. Like there's this, life has this potential, man. 
There's potential for great good. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to see what Jesus has to say about life, about what it means to be alive. Okay, so hopefully you found John chapter 5. Um, I'm going to read John chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 24, and I'm going to read through verse 30. Before I do, I'm going to pray for us, okay? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for loving us. Um, Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for putting air in our lungs this morning so we can be together and we can, um, we have the opportunity, I should say, to engage with you and with each other in deep ways. That's my prayer this morning. Would you make us a people who are consistently giving ourselves to this rhythm of giving ourselves to you, engaging with you, and engaging with each other in deep, profound ways? Not in ways that are just kind of like glossing over the surface, but where there's deep interconnectedness with you and with each other. And that would free us up and propel us to love our neighbor as ourself. And Father, I want to honor you and I want to honor my friends and my family in the room. So please, like, don't let me get in the way this morning. I really want to honor you. I want to honor them. So speak through me in spite of me, okay? I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Okay, uh, so John chapter 5, starting in verse 24. I'm going to give you a little bit of background really quick so that you know kind of it's been a while since we were in John. So what's happening here is every word we're going to read is Jesus speaking. Every single word. He's speaking, and he's speaking to the religious Jews, okay? And these Jews, they were pretty upset with Jesus at the time, okay? They were upset with Jesus because he had just got done healing a man on the Sabbath, and they were upset that he did it on the Sabbath, okay? They were religious people, so they were, they were, they were relying on obeying the rules to, to make themselves justified, to make themselves right with God, okay? So they're upset with Jesus because he healed a guy on the Sabbath, and they're also upset with Jesus, probably more so because he's claiming to be equal with God, a man is claiming to be equal with God, that would have been blasphemy, okay? So let's pick it up. Here we go. This is Jesus talking, verse 24 in chapter 5 of John. Jesus says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, really quick, when it says truly, truly, I say to you, every time you see that, Jesus is like, make it, this is a big deal. Like, listen in, I'm, you need to hear this, okay? This is the second time he says it here in verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son, that's Jesus, also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Okay. This morning, if you're taking notes, you can use the app um, or you can use whatever, but if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about two things, okay? We're going to talk about the truth about, the truth about life, and the next thing is we're going to talk about the truth about judgment, okay? The truth about life and the truth about judgment. Let's jump in here. The truth about life. In verse 24 here, Jesus says something pretty profound, okay? I'm going to read it to you again. He says this. He says, whoever hears my word... Track with me. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
Okay, he, he doesn't say that they will have eternal life. Like, if, if you believe his word and you believe him and send him, that you'll have eternal life, you'll go to heaven later on. He, he's not saying, like, future tense. He's actually saying present tense, has, right now, okay? Let's keep reading. He does, he does not come into judgment, the person who, hear, who hears his word and believes. He does not come into judgment, but has, there's that word again, passed from death to life. Present tense. Jesus is saying that if you believe his message, his gospel, good news, right? It's not advice, it's information. If you believe his message, the gospel, essentially, if you trust God by trusting what he says, you have eternal life right now. If this doesn't make sense, let me explain, okay? Um, Recently, my family and I, we've been, we've been trying to, like, cook more at home. Like, and not just cook, like, put something in the microwave, but, like, genuinely using ingredients and trying to cook, like, for two reasons. One, <laughs> financially, uh, and two, it's just healthier. Like, clean eating, right? Like, trying to get rid of some processed foods and, and minimize sugar and that kind of thing. I'm not, like, the, the food health Nazi, um, but I just, we've been wanting to kind of, I don't know, we've been wanting to explore that and save money and, and get healthy, okay? So we've, I found this app, and what it does is it kind of like, it, you answer all these questions about how you want to eat and uh, the kind of things, if you have like dietary restrictions, basically your dietary preferences, um, and what it does is it correlates like recipes for you. And not only that, but it, it preps the shopping list of exactly what you'll need. So for us and our family and our lifestyle, that's like hugely convenient. Um, me and Ebony both, like we, we kind of enjoy cooking, but we're not like really good at cooking or really that experienced. Um, so what's helpful for us is it, it literally it puts everything in one place for us. It's amazing. And on top of that, it gives you the option of if you want those groceries delivered to your house. Yes, okay, we have two young kids. Taking them to the grocery store is an absolute nightmare. It takes like two hours, what would normally take you 15 minutes, right? So um, I, I tried the option of having someone deliver the groceries, and it was flipping awesome. It was fantastic, especially this week because we've been like sick and stuff, you know? So it was really cool. Uh, I'm so domesticated. This is really cool. Like, it's, yeah, sorry. Just follow me. So th- this wonderful lady, she knocks on the door. She brings us these groceries and I'm just like, this is epic, man. So I bring the groceries in, and um, I'm going to make, uh, like, chicken soup, basically, that night. <clears throat> so there's all this produce and all these herbs and things, and, and I'm looking through it, and, part, you know, if you're going to make chicken soup, you have to have, like, carrots and celery, right? <clears throat> so I, I pull, I pull the, the stuff aside, I set the celery aside, and I look at the celery, and I just have this thought, and I'm like, this, like, came out of the ground, you know, like, so, <laughs> it came out of the ground. Like, this is cool, you know? But here's the thought that I had. The thought that I had was like, this celery, it's going to go bad fairly quickly now that it's been picked. Like, it's been removed from its source of life, right? And now its expiration date is approaching. And then we also had this package of spinach, but the, the, the spinach came in a package. It wasn't just there. It was like in this package. And, 
And the spinach actually had a date on it. You guys know what expiration dates are? It had a date on there like, you need to eat the spinach by this certain date or it expires. And the thought crossed my mind like, you and I, we have something in common with the celery and with the spinach. All of us have this expiration date. Um, I would say the vast majority of, if, if not all of us, don't know what that date is. It's not like the spinach where it's posted there, but we all have an expiration date. And the Bible tells us that that's because of our sin, right? Because, our, because of our sin, our relationship with God has been severed. It's, it's been, it's been, we've been divided. Like there's, there's, there's a chasm. It's been severed. And as a result, we too, just like the celery and like the spinach, we've been cut off from our source of life. Are you tracking with me? And it's funny because like, I like to think of myself as a living being, you know? But hear me out. If all of us are slowly but surely expiring, like if what we're moving towards is death, then what we're actually doing is dying. We're expiring. Are you tracking with me? Life is expiring, and, and we can speed up or slow down the process, but either way, we have an expiration date that we're moving towards. Um, have you, anybody seen the movie Toy Story? Like classic, right? Yeah, a lot of us. <clears throat> Famous characters, Buzz Lightyear and Woody the Cowboy. Um, if you remember the scene, there's this scene where um, all the toys are on like this truck, and, 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 and Buzz and Woody kind of get separated from them, and the truck's taken off, and they're, you know, they're in the middle of the street, and they're like, oh, you know? And Buzz has this, this rocket strapped on his back. And so what they do, you following me, huh? Um, so what they do is they light, him and Woody, they light the rocket, and Buzz grabs a hold of Woody, and they, get, they shoot up into the air, like way up into the air, Right? And, and then what they do is they, like, they ditch the rocket, and then Buzz Lightyear, like, ejects his wings out of his suit, right? <clears throat> and, uh, and they start kind of gliding, and, and, and Woody says, like, you know, hey, Buzz, you're flying, you know? And if you remember Buzz's response, he said, this isn't flying, this is falling with style, <laughs> there's a difference between fi- flying and falling. Like, there's a difference between moving through the air and moving towards the ground. Moving towards death, like, that's what, that's what dying means. But life, life in its most true form, like life the way that God intends, it isn't moving towards death, it's moving towards more life. Friends, that's what we see Jesus here. Like what he's talking about here in these first two verses. He says those who trust God and what he says, they have eternal life. They have passed from death to life. What he's saying is that someone who was expiring, someone that was moving towards death, someone that was dying is now moving towards life, more life. Like they're no longer, they're no longer falling with style. They're flying. There's a difference. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So listen, for just for a moment, this will be important, okay? No one likes to talk about their sin, or rarely do people like talking about their sin, but I want you to consider 
your sin for just a moment. The specific ones, okay? The, 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 the conflicts that you get in and the things that you say and the things that you do, especially when you're all alone, like even in, just your, in your head, one of the analogies we like to use is like if, we, if I had a special microphone that I could put up to your forehead that would play just your thoughts from the last 24 hours over the speakers, none of us would like each other. <clears throat> like just think about your sin for just a second, okay? I promise the good news of the gospel is coming, but think about your sin. Consider it. Think about the sins you struggle with. And when I say sin, I just mean the ways we disobey God. When you disobey, when you sin, think about what sin leads to. Like practically, what's the practical day-to-day outcomes of our sin? Sin always leads to destruction. It always leads to something dying. Always. I mean, obviously, sin can be pleasurable, right? Absolutely. Everyone in the room would agree. Sometimes it feels really good to get revenge on the person who cut you off or, or, or someone who put you down. Or, like, sin feels good temporarily. It's not a lasting pleasure. It's a temporary pleasure. But hear me say this. When we sin, we're moving towards death because the outcome is always destruction and death. We're moving towards it. Are you getting this picture? Are you following me? This is important. The the greatest lie ever uh, is that pursuing sin, pursuing death, essentially, pursuing sin, pursuing death, is like sexy or fulfilling or life-giving. Watch TV, scroll through Instagram, like, look at a billboard, like, whatever. Like, it's coming at us from every single angle. It's this great lie that pursuing sin, pursuing death, is somehow going to be fulfilling, life-giving. But the truth is, that's like this great trap, man. It's a snare. You guys familiar with Genesis chapter 3? Right? Genesis is the beginning of the Bible. Everything's perfect. Like everything's the way it's supposed to be. All of creation. And then Adam and Eve, right, they disobeyed God. They introduced sin into the world. But they did that because the serpent, Satan, right, he tempts them. He tempts Adam and Eve to sin. Satan tempts you and I in the same way every single day. He tempts you to believe this great lie. And it, sometimes it looks like this. It looks like just those thoughts that go through your brain. Like, have you ever had the thought like, like, how dare that other person treat you that way? Like, they're messed up. That What they did was wrong. How dare they treat you that way? And then that, 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 that temptation comes in of like revenge. And, and the, the temptation for the lie, like revenge would feel so sweet. It would be good. It would be so life-giving. Revenge, man. Say, like just firing back a, a cutting word. Or, I mean, you could take it all the way as far as you wanted to. Or what about this one? This one's a lot more cunning. What that person did to you, unforgivable. 
What's going to be life-giving, what's going to feel good is just keep that bitterness. They're, they're unforgivable. The lie that that's going to bring you life and satisfy you. What about this one when it comes to the areas of gossip, right? Like, look at all of her flaws. Like, she's way worse than you. Look at all of her flaws. You know what? We should, let's, let's talk to other people about her flaws. They need to know. That's going to get life-giving for me. Guys, the reason the world's as jacked up as it is is because we all believe these lies from time to time. We all pursue sin. And the outcome is what? Death, destruction, division. Something's going to die. When we sin, when we engage in sin, something's going to die. There's going to be division. There's going to be destruction. Because sin always leads to death. The scriptures talk about the wages of sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. The outcome of sin is death. It's never life-giving, ever. It destroys the very fabric of creation. It never leads to life. So hear me say this. When you and I, when we choose sin, what we're doing is we're introducing death and destruction into creation. We're believing the lie that it's going to be life-giving, and it never will be, ever. It might feel good temporarily, but it's introducing death and destruction and division That's not life. That's not life. That's not the way life was created to be. That's not living. Falling isn't flying and dying isn't living. Look back at verse 25 with me really quick. Verse 25. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead, right, those moving towards death, those choosing sin, those dying, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Listen to verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Do you know what this is saying? This is saying that life, it comes from God. Um, in Acts chapter 4, the apostle Peter, he, he calls Jesus the author of life. Some translations say the source of life. Life is from God. It comes from him. Like science, it can't replicate life. I'm not anti-science by any means, okay? By any means. The study of what is natural is beautiful. God is supernatural. Uh, science can't replicate life. Like, you can't create life in a lab. You can, ma- you can mess around with the ingredients, absolutely, but you cannot generate life. Only God can create life because he alone is the source of life. And if you're cut off, hear me say this, if you're cut off from the source of life, you are no longer living, you are dying. Just like the celery, just like the spinach. You're moving towards your expiration date. And here's the even scarier thing. Dead things, they cannot make themselves come alive. The celery is going to wilt. But Jesus, 
Jesus is, Jesus is amazing. Jesus, the source of life, the author of life, he can make dead things come alive. That's how amazing he is. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter two, verse, verse I'm gonna read verses one through five. This is just listen, just let this like wash over your ears, okay? Paul writes this, and you were dead. Like not living, dying, moving towards death, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, but believing the lies of Satan, right? The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Listen to verse four. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for verse four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, you, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The beautiful news of the gospel, the good news is that Jesus Christ, he approaches dying people like me, people moving towards death, people who have sinned against him, people who have disobeyed him, and he offers himself as a life source. Once again, he trades you. Like, he takes on your death, and you get his life. It's a completely unfair trade. Uh, I used to play with pogs when I was a young boy. Everybody know what pogs are? Millennials, you won't know. Raise your hand if you know what pogs are. Raise your hand if you don't know what pogs are. Be honest. Sienna, give it to me. Yes, okay. So pogs were this stupid little uh, fad thing. It was like they're these little circular, think like a cardboard kind of. Yes, thank you. Perfect, Dylan. It's like a, like a cardboard disc about this size, like the size of a silver dollar, right? And the whole premise is so dumb. You would, you would use what's called a slammer, and you would try to slam them down and get them to flip over. If they flipped over, you got to keep them, right? So when I was a kid, I played Pogs for a while, and there was this kid that lived up the street from me uh, for like a portion of my life. His name was Kevin. And Kevin always wanted to trade Pogs. It's not Kevin Carpenter. It's not Kevin Lachlan. Uh, either way. My neighbor, Kevin, he always wanted to trade me pogs. Like, Dude, I love your slammer. Like, we need to trade. Like, I'll give you, you know, all this whole tube of pogs. Just give me that slammer, whatever. And there was one time he totally ripped me off. He, long story short, I agreed to this completely unfair trade where if you followed pogs, the slammers were where it was at. You wanted the slammers, you didn't care about the pogs, Okay. And then it got to the point where people were playing pogs with just slammers, and it was like, just this, you know. You guys know what I'm saying. Don't act like you didn't play with pogs. Long story short, Kevin rips me off this terrible, unfair trade. He gets the slammers. I get a stack of pogs. It was just not a good deal, okay? One of the worst trades in the history of the world. What I want you to see that is what we just read in Ephesians. Oh, this beautiful truth, guys, that in love, Jesus makes the most unfair trade of all time. He takes the death that sinners are moving towards and he gives them his life. 
It's the great exchange, the most unfair trade in the history of the world. Here's my question to you. Have you made this trade? I'm not asking you if you know things about Jesus. I'm asking you if you've made the trade. What does a trade involve? It involves giving something up and getting something in return. Have you made the trade? You know you've made the trade when you will do whatever Jesus asks you to do. Like anything. Nothing's off limits. Every relationship, whatever you want, Jesus. All your stuff, whatever you want, Jesus. Your time, your calendar, your schedule, your money, everything. Nothing's off limits. Because you've been the recipient of the most unfair trade in the history of the universe. Guys, what Jesus is telling us in these verses is that he and he alone is the giver of life. He says the only way for dying people to become alive is by trusting him, by receiving his life in exchange for your death. Have you made the trade? Now, Jesus says something else in this passage, and it's absolutely remarkable. He says everyone will be judged. Brings me to my second point, last point, the truth about judgment. So what does, the, what does the Bible mean when it talks about judgment, when it speaks about this idea of judging and, and judgment? Um, basically, I'm going to go through this quickly. Basically, it's a legal term, right? Think about a judge, you know, black robe, sits in a courtroom with a gavel. What does a judge do? A judge determines whether someone is innocent or guilty of the charges, Right? So Jesus, he says something remarkable. He says that every person will stand before him to be judged. So what is Jesus going to judge? I think many of you probably think you know the answer to this, and maybe you do, but what is it that Jesus is going to judge? What will he determine in that moment? Jesus will determine whether a person has spent their time on earth moving towards death, expiring, dying, as a result of their sin, right? Or whether they've received his trade offer. Whether they've accepted it and spent their time on earth actually living, moving towards more life. And friends, the truth is every single one of us, every person in this room, every person in this valley, every person on this planet, we are all moving towards something. Here's my question to you. What are you moving towards today, like this morning? What are you moving towards? What are you pursuing? I think probably the more clear question would be like, are you trusting Jesus? Like he says in verse 24 where this whole thing started, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears and believes, like, are, you, are you trusting in Jesus or are you trusting in something else today? Not a one-time thing you did when you were seven. Like today, are you trusting in him? Or are you trusting in something else? You'll know if you're trusting in Jesus by if you're obeying him. And you'll know if you're trusting something else if you aren't. I'll close with this. I'll call the band on up. What are you moving towards? 
Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? Have you received this trade offer? Have you accepted it? Um, <clears throat> we started off this morning asking that deep philosophical question, right? What does it mean to be alive? Well, the answer, I think it just depends on who you ask, right? Like Google had an answer for me. Um, there are plenty of other answers out there. But hear me say this. Only Jesus, only Jesus is the author of life, like the source of life. So, asking him, Jesus, what, what does it mean to be alive, Right? Being alive, being fully alive, according to Jesus, is the absence of sin and the absence of death. And hear me say this. That's precisely God's agenda. You want to know what God's will is? It's to bring life. It's, and life is the absence of sin and death. What does God want for you this morning? He wants to bring life. He doesn't want you to feel condemnation he wants you to feel freedom. What is, he, what is his will? What is his desire? It's to bring life. That's his agenda, man. Uh, Jesus says this, John 10, 10. Chapter 10, verse 10. Beautiful verses. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, that's you and me, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And what is Life the absence of sin and death and destruction and division and pain and suffering. Jesus came to bring that. That's his agenda. Jesus comes to earth, right? A place full of sin and death to get rid of sin and death. And how did he do it? By making the most unfair trade ever by taking death and sin upon himself and offering a dying world the opportunity to actually live. In this series, Jesus is. Only Jesus is the giver of life, of true life, of abundant life. And only Jesus is the defeater of death. Death has lost its power. If you trust in what Jesus says about himself, if you trust in him, death is defeated because you're no longer moving towards it. You're moving towards more life. You can actually live. You hear me? So here's what I want to do this morning. Simply, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter uh, how long you've been following Jesus or, or you don't follow Jesus or whatever, here's my invitation for you this morning. My invitation for you this morning is to trust him. Like to actually trust him. And what he says. I want to invite you to move towards more life. To actually live life the way it was intended to live. A life of enjoying him. Obeying him. It's trusting him. And operating like him. It's what you're created for. And his agenda is to bring life. Will you stand if you're able? I'm going to pray for us.
Give me just a moment. I'm just going to listen for a bit and see what God wants to do. I feel like uh, God wants us to rest this morning. I think it's a theme he keeps bringing up with us as a community. There's a lot going on. I think he wants us to rest. And not in um, creating perfect circumstances that are restful, but in resting in him. And that he really is sovereign. He means he's over all things. And he's good and he cares about you and he loves you. He wants you to rest in that. Andy, he wants you to rest in that, bro. Jenna, he wants you to rest in it. Father, would you teach us? Would you teach us how to trust you? Would you teach us how to experience rest by not assuming control of our lives? By not believing the lie that us being in control and kicking you off of the throne is going to be life-giving? Because it's not. It's not going to be life-giving. What's life-giving is knowing that we're in the hands of the one who holds the entire universe and, is, and is, his agenda is to bring us life. So Holy Spirit, would you give us rest this morning? Would you enable us and empower us to trust you? And what does that look like? It looks like obeying you. It looks like actually giving our hearts over to enjoy you. It looks like actually receiving the trade offer not just acknowledging that it's available, but grabbing a hold of it and enjoying it. There's a difference between like opening a present on Christmas and actually playing with the toy. Would you help us to play with your, <laughs> sounds weird, Lord. Would you help us to play with the beautiful reality and engage with the beautiful truth that you've traded us, you've taken our death and given us life. And now we get to move towards more life. And that's not dependent on our circumstances. Let that bring us rest this morning. We love you, Jesus. Minister to us, Holy Spirit, now. We ask you, we look to you. Amen.